Amen. Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. They came to Jericho as he is in the side... As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for worship. We thank you because it brings us before your throne we thank you, O oh Lord, because we get to express our faith and our trust in you and to declare how good a God you are and to recognize, O oh Lord, that we need you and that we are nothing without you. We ask, O oh Lord, on this day that you will speak through this word, that you will give me your thoughts to be my own and that you will inspire us all into faith through it. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our scripture today immediately follows the scripture from last week in Mark's gospel, where John and James, the sons of Zebedee, had asked Jesus to allow them to sit at his right and his left-hand side when he came in glory. In case you didn't catch last week's sermon, just to sum it up, he basically told them that it was not his to grant whether they sat at the right or the left of him. And then he proceeded to tell them that the kingdom that he was bringing was not like they expected. That the kingdom that he was about to bring was one in which you didn't look to be served, but in one in which you look to serve others. And that whoever wanted to be greatest should be servant of all. I bring this up today because today's scripture stands in stark contrast to last week's scripture. See, sometimes we ask Jesus for some incredible and seemingly impossible things. After all, if we're making our request out of faith, then by definition what we're asking for is not something that we have yet seen or received. If it's a faith ask, it's something that we do not see yet, that we do not see coming, that we want to come or we want to happen or we want to come about, but we still don't have it. And this is very much the case in our scripture today. Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho 
followed by a large crowd. And if you know Jesus and you know his ministry and you read the rest of the chapter, you'll see that Jesus has been busy for a long time, for several days in a row. He has been teaching. He's been fielding questions from Pharisees and religious leaders. He's even been uh, approached by individuals with individual questions like the man who asked what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. And he said, well, do the commandments. And he said, I've done that. And he said, well, then go sell everything you have and follow me. And he was rich and he couldn't do that. So he went away sad. All of these kind of events are happening this week. And it's all leading up to this moment. Jesus must have been tired. You ever had one of those weeks where it just was one thing after another, after another, after another, and, and eventually it wears you down. And we're told that he goes to Jericho, and Mark is so clever. You know, when, when, when a gospel writer wants you to know about something, they give you details. And when something is more important than something else, then they don't give you details about the other stuff. So I want you to notice that immediately Mark tells you that this story has nothing to do with what Jesus actually does during that day at Jericho. It is what happens at the end of the day that is important. How do you know that? They arrive at Jericho, they leave Jericho, and then the story happens. There's no detail about what goes on in that day in Jericho because Mark is trying to tell you there's something much more important that happens at the end of the day, and this is where you need to focus on. This is what happens. He says, at the end of the day, as they're leaving the city of Jericho, they're going down the road, and a man on the side of the road called Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, begins to shout and say, Jesus Son of David, have mercy on me. And we know that immediately the crowd started trying to shush him. Shh, shh. You know, there's something about people begging that makes us uncomfortable. The being put on the spot at the moment when somebody begs for something, a lot of times makes us feel uncomfortable. And at that time when when beggars were out on the road and they heard a bunch of people coming and they saw a bunch of crowd coming, they immediately started to beg because this is how they made it, right? They had to get something in order to make it through the next day. And the people in that crowd probably thought, oh, here comes blind Bartimaeus begging for something. And he was screaming, so he was being loud. He wanted to be heard over the crowd. You see, you got to remember that Bartimaeus was blind, not, not deaf. He had heard the footsteps of the many people coming his way. He had probably overheard some of the conversations that were taking place that revealed to him that this was Jesus of Nazareth that was coming his way. And so he saw an opportunity. As he hears the roar of the crowd coming closer, he decides that he's going to seize that opportunity, and he begins to yell, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you know, the people kept trying to shush him, and the more they tried to shush him, the louder 
he got. He wasn't going to quit. He wasn't going to give up. Sometimes I think we give up too easily, don't we? We ask for something and we don't get it or it doesn't happen and we immediately give up. How many times have we been confronted with that situation where we're, we're asking for something and it doesn't happen and we get discouraged and then we stop asking? Bartimea shows us that we can't quit, that we can't be silent, that we have to continue and persist in seeking that which we're asking for, that we need to be persistent in seeking Jesus and not stopping until we find him, until we get before him, until we experience his mercy. But he also teaches us that we need to know who we're calling. There was a whole crowd of people. But Bartimaeus is not calling on anyone but Jesus. He's not calling on anyone but the one that he calls the son of David, which means that this blind man was calling Jesus the Messiah that was promised. The title son of David was not a title that just meant Jesus was a Jew. It was not a title that just meant that he was from the lineage of David. It meant that Jesus was the one who was prophesied to come and take the throne of David, that he was the Messiah that would redeem Israel, that he was the one. Now, here is this blind man who can't see, and he knows this. We're not told how, but he knows this. And he is not shy to proclaim it. So he knows who to call. I wonder how many in the crowd judged Bartimaeus because of his blindness and said, you don't know what you're talking about. Shh. You're committed blasphemy by calling him son of David. Shh. You shouldn't even be calling out to him. You're a blind man. You must have done something wrong or somebody in your family did something wrong for you to be blind. Some might have been saying, you know, you got to quit. Jesus has nothing you need. He doesn't want to give you anything. We'll give you some money later. Leave him alone. He's tired from all the stuff that has gone on in, in Jericho. You don't need to bother the master. Or maybe they just wanted him to disappear because it showed them that his need was so great that he needed Jesus, maybe even more at that moment than all of them put together. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Whichever way it happened, Jesus got word of what was going on. And I've often kidded around that I think the disciples sometimes felt like they were half bouncers, half disciples, because they tried to keep people away from Jesus' inner space, right? And sometimes they got it right, and sometimes they got it way wrong, like when they tried to keep the children away earlier in the chapter. I mean, Jesus said, no, 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 you're keeping them, no, let them come to me. Theirs is the kingdom of God. There are times in which they, they tried to keep that bubble around Jesus, and Jesus didn't want a bubble. He wanted closeness with the people. He wanted them to be able to approach him and to get close. And you have to wonder if at this time, as Bartimaeus is yelling, they, they turned to Jesus and said, do you want us to take him out? You want us to... Tell him to go away, push him away. What do you want us to do? Because Jesus got noticed that he was shouting and what he was saying. 
And I love Jesus' response. Jesus stands still. He doesn't keep going. He stands still. And I want you to know that when you call out to Jesus, he will stop for you and show you mercy. He will stop right then and there, right there in this unscheduled stop that probably had his disciples irritated because they were all about the schedule. He stops and he says, get that blind man over here. Bring, them, bring, bring him over here to me. Help him to come to me. And I love the irony of this. The crowd that tried to shush Bartimaeus now had to turn to Bartimaeus and say, come, the master is calling you and usher him to Jesus. Don't you love it when God shows you favor like that? It just turns it around. He was just asking for mercy. And here comes Jesus and has the crowd bring Bartimaeus to him. And now he is hearing the words, be encouraged. The master is calling you. We can't give up when we're seeking Jesus. He's brought, he's told the news that Jesus is willing to give him an audience. And I love that Bartimaeus does not hesitate. Some of us ask for things, and then when Jesus says, okay, let's do it, we go, whoa, you mean we, like now? Yeah, like now. Bartimaeus threw off his cloak. He got up, and he immediately sprang to Jesus. He immediately went to Jesus. He didn't wait. He didn't hesitate. He didn't put a pause on anything. He immediately responded to the call. And Jesus then asked him a question. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Notice that he didn't ask him, what do you want me to give you? He didn't ask him, what is it? What thing do you want? He said, what do you want me to do for you? There was a recognition by Jesus that he could do something for Bartimaeus. And all that remained to be seen was whether Bartimaeus could recognize that Jesus could do it and believe it. Can you believe it, Bartimaeus, that I can do something for you? So often we come to Jesus asking for stuff, for things instead of for what Jesus can do for us in our lives. Things that can completely change and transform our lives. Things that can have an impact far beyond material blessings. This was the moment Bartimaeus had been waiting for. Remember, a blind beggar. He could have asked for money or riches, for food, for alms, for new clothes. He could have asked for anything, really. Jesus kind of left it open-ended. What do you want me to do for you? Some would say that any of those requests would have been reasonable given Bartimaeus' condition. But instead, the blind man said, My teacher, let me see. 
again. I mean, go big or go home. Go big or go home. When it comes to our request before God, we need to learn to be bold, to go big or go home, to be willing to put it out there, our greatest need to the greatest Savior of all, the only Savior of all. What do you want me to do? I want you to let me see again. And let's take that response word by word. My teacher. Immediately, Bartimaeus claimed Jesus as his own teacher, which made him Jesus' disciple and student. He was basically saying, I surrender to your authority as my teacher, as the one who is going to tell me what I need to do and what to follow. I surrender to you, and I ask you to be mine as I am yours. In the word, my teacher, Bartimaeus recognized that Jesus was the teacher, and he was the student. Sometimes we want to tell Jesus how it's got to be done. He's the teacher. You're the student. It's like I was telling the kids last week. He doesn't need to be helped. He's the helper. We're the ones that need to learn how to help others. And then he said, let me, let me see. Which means that Bartimaeus believed in that very moment that Jesus had the power to open his eyes. Let me see. He's saying, you don't have to, but let me, allow me, give me the opportunity to see again. I believe that you can do it. It's just a matter of whether you want to do it right now. So I can see, let me See again. In asking to see, Bartimaeus brought not one of his needs, but his greatest need before Jesus. If he was able to see again, it would completely change his total life. His begging days would be over. His life would be completely different. And everything would change. The other thing that should strike us about Bartimaeus' response is he doesn't come before Jesus and try to justify himself and tell Jesus how good a person he is that he deserves to be healed. He doesn't come to Jesus with a long list of gripes of all the suffering that he has endured because he is blind, which he probably had plenty that he could share he comes before Jesus knowing that he probably doesn't deserve this, but that because Jesus is merciful and because God is with the brokenhearted and the poor, that he has a shot at getting this prayer request answered right then and there. He is literally leaning into the mercy of God and the nature of God as a merciful and loving God who can heal. And in the most sincere and direct way that he knows how, he expresses his faith in Jesus as the agent who is able to deliver on that promise. I love that Jesus' response is equally direct. He doesn't flower it up with extra information or extra things. 
He simply says to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately, Bartimaeus regained his sight. Immediately, Bartimaeus regained his sight. You see, Jesus had found in Bartimaeus a sincere, determined faith. One that believed against all odds that Jesus could make him well and do this miracle. And what did Jesus do? He healed him there on the spot. Now, most of us, after being healed from being blind, would look for things to see. We would be like, let's go visit family. Let's go visit friends. Let's go to my hometown. Let's do all of these things that we haven't been able to do because we couldn't see. But blind Bartimaeus, after being healed, followed Jesus on the way. He made true on the words that he has shared with Jesus that he would be his teacher, that he was his teacher. And he decided that he would truly be his disciples and follow him wherever he went. And if you don't know this, Bartimaeus became one of the greatest early evangelists of the Christian movement because he was a living testimony to the power of Jesus to heal and to restore and the guy wouldn't be quiet. He went before the elders and the priests, and they questioned him about Jesus. What happened? He said, well, you tell me. Jesus healed me, and now I can see. You tell me who he is. He was so bold that he didn't stop talking about Jesus even though they told them to quit talking about Jesus. Like the crowd had told them to shh. And true to his word, he became a great disciple for Jesus Christ. He no longer had to rely on what others told him about Jesus, but he was able to see for himself what Jesus would do. You know, I just hope the disciples were paying attention because Jesus had told them that the Son of Man had come to serve and not be served. And here was Jesus living out what he had told them to do. Well, he was tired and probably ready to call it a day and go find a place to rest after leaving Jericho. He stops and he serves one who needed a miracle. He restores his sight. He takes the time to call the blind man to himself and rewards his faith. Where are you on your request to Jesus today? Are you sitting on the road waiting for him to come by? Are you actively seeking him, asking him to make a difference in a situation? Have you heard what he can do? And are you willing to believe that he doesn't just do it for other people? He can also do it for you. You see, Jesus, at this point, had raised the dead, cured the blind, raised paralytics, healed lepers, done so many things. But the question that he asked Bartimaeus reveals that we need to be able to believe not just that he does it for others, but that he can do it for us.
And sometimes that's the hard part for us. Today I want to encourage you to call out to the son of David. To not call out to him because of your own merits or what you've done or how good you are or how many times you come to church or how much money you give or how much you serve. I want you to come to him asking for his mercy and his goodness to be yours because of his merits and what he's done for you. I hope you know that he is never too busy to stop for you, to call you to himself, and to hear your request. Ask it in faith, believing that the one that opened the eyes of Bartimaeus can do what you need done. And that he knows what you need at this very moment. We heard this song say that even though it was taking a long time for the walls to come down, you got to keep screaming. You got to keep going. You got to keep rounding. I think when it comes to this scripture, I think it inspires us to do the same. To pray and to continue to ask for that request that is going, going for, the, for the big request. And to believe that Jesus can answer it. And that Jesus wants to answer it. So today, I'm going to open the altar for you to come and have a time of prayer by yourself. The prayer team won't be coming over you. This is a time in which I just want you to have time between you and God. Because let's be honest, we all have that big prayer request or two, that huge one, that one that seems impossible or improbable, that one that we struggle with to believe that Jesus can do it. And I want you to bring that one to the altar today. I want you to bring it before God and believe that Jesus who was raised from the dead, can make it happen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Bartimaeus. We thank you that he was persistent, that he put his faith and his trust in Jesus, and that, oh Lord, he was not left uh, hanging out there with that request. We thank you, O oh Lord, that Jesus called him to himself and healed him and made him whole. O oh Lord, among your people today, there are many requests. I'm sure that there are some praying for family members that seem too far gone. Some are praying for situations at home or at work. Some people are praying because there's something they're struggling in their own lives that they just don't know how to deal with. Today, we want to bring all of those before you, Lord. We want to lay them down at your feet. We want to ask, O oh Lord, that you will be that son of David who shows mercy on your people. Help us, O oh Lord, to trust and believe that you can do it and to just lay it down before you today. In Jesus' name, amen. The altar is open. I invite you to spread out if you come to the altar if you want to stand where you are or pray in your pew, you can do that as well. If you're at home, I just invite you to lay your palms face up in, in a sign that you are waiting to receive the answer to your request and make your request known to God.
today. Just really quickly, um, while you come to the altar, um, as Krista mentioned earlier, I've just been stuck in Job. When I first became a Christian, it was the first book I read from the Bible. Um, admittedly, it's probably was not the, probably the best place to start. Um, but um, after Pastor Miguel preached on um, on Job um, a, about a month ago, I, I started to really dig in, and and something Ren said during children's moments about um, God speaking out of the storm. You know, God was really silent in 35 chapters of Job, where Job's friends were speculating why these bad things were happening to him, why his family died, why he lost his livelihood, why he, why he, his body was riddled with sickness. And God finally speaks out of the storm, which says, even though God was silent, he was there with Job during that storm. And when he speaks, he asks a series of questions. And it's, it's not about why Job suffered, um, why he had to go through it all. It was about how God created our universe out of nothing. Um, he says in Job 38, um, 31, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? And he goes on and on. And, you know, I was just reading about our universe, th those constellations that, um, that God is mentioning. Um, you know, the closest one is about 43 light years away, which in galactic terms is close. And, um, you know, for us, with the observable eye, we can see 5,000 stars on a moonless night um, with both hemispheres, maybe up to 10,000. But, um, you know, scientists estimate that there are 400 billion stars in our galaxy, um, 5,000 only of which we can see. And they estimate there are 100 to 200 billion galaxies in our universe. And, there, and there's some speculation that there's even billions of universes um, and, and, you know, based on what we can see, they estimate that our universe is 92 billion light years long. I, we can't even grasp that. When, when, you know, light travels at the speed of 186,000 miles per second. That means light can go around the Earth seven and a half times in that one second. And this is our God, the God who created our universe out of nothing, down to the most finite detail. This is our God. And our, you know, our faith, the validity of our faith, I've been reading about this, but the validity of our faith is not based on us. It's based on the object in which we place our faith. And so I, I just invite you today, as you come to the altar, to just, to just to remember that, that your faith is in a huge God and you can bring anything to him.